This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I totally agree in getting your wife... As a present, an apparatus to stack wood. Apparatus but to in, stack wood. That's what, the, that's what the real technicians call it, Tom. Right. But <laughs> if, you know, as part of that gift, did instructions come along which sort of went like this? So just bring the wood when we're ready to go. So just pick it up, yeah. bring it out, and when we're ready to go, give me the wood. Well, right? is it, that- it said this is where the wood goes, and I eventually figured that out. It was not <laughs> a lot of levers and pulleys involved. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Chris always makes me laugh. I'm always happy when he's on the show. I really am. Um, uh, I am alone in my house except for the dog uh, and Carol, who's somewhere upstairs. Um, We are doing a show. This is a Wednesday. We normally do shows on Wednesday. This week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll get three in. And then you people don't have to wake up on New Year's morning if you don't want to. Uh, I will be up early on New Year's morning because I'm up all the time because I don't go to bed at midnight. I don't stay up. I go to bed at 9. I'm old. I'm entitled to do this. Uh, Today on the show, we will have Bob Ryan will be with us later and Chuck Todd will pick games. Chuck had a really rough week, right? Chuck was 1-6. and Like, he had a rough week. Chuck, if I have this correct, and I think I do because I added it up. Let me get the numbers here. Chuck is five fifteen and one in the last three weeks. That's terrible. That's, yeah, that's not right? closing. Yeah, that's no, no, no. Jeff Ma is eight and three in the last two weeks. Jeff Ma was five and one last week. Jeff Ma is five games over five hundred. The monkey is only one under. The monkey went two and one. Chuck's nine under. He's nine yeah. under. You know, I mean, what's what and he was doing, doing so guess, well for so long. He was doing yeah, great. Yeah, I, I think he's just spending too much time on his, like, not real job, meet the press, and not enough time on betting football games, which is what we all know everybody should do. There was a full moon out last night um, where I am in Washington, D.C. The full moon started out, and I took the dog out about 6 o'clock last night. It's dark. It's dark at 4.30, so it's certainly dark at 6. And I was looking in the southeastern sky, and the moon was up, and the moon was beautiful, and with all full moons on a clear night, you can see, you're not just looking at a white moon, you can see whatever land, I don't know if they're land masses, you can see detail in the moon with the naked eye, and it's always great. And then this morning, it was more occluded in Washington, but either the moon had moved or I had moved, but now it was in the northwestern sky at about 6 o'clock, so that I'm giving you a 12-hour run. And I, again, I don't know if we move or the moon move. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody always writes in and says, you're an idiot. Well, I'm still an idiot. I mean, I'm still an idiot. But full moons, full moons are a big deal. This was the 13th. Not every year has 13 full moons. This was the 13th full moon, most have 12, uh, of the year. And it has that great cold look to it. 
Um, and I know I, I told Michael yesterday, take the boys out. The moon is up. Take the boys out. Let them, let Bootsy and the Hammer see the full moon in South Carolina and see if they become sort of mesmerized by it. And indeed, that's what happened. Certainly for the older one who can talk and just said, oh, Grandpa Tony said, I will be as big as the moon someday. You know, I didn't say that, but if somebody told him that and attributed it to me, it was very nice. So the the full moon is up. Um, Nigel, you you saw it last night, right? I did. It was beautiful. I saw it, yeah, hanging low. And like you said, this the south uh, southeastern sky, and it just yeah, was southeastern, just gorgeous, you know, and yeah. very yeah. very clear. It was a clear night last night. I do I, I I do think when you said I don't know if we move or the moon moves. I don't I know. The, yeah, the moon revolves around the Earth, and we are spinning on our axis and moving around the sun. So I'd say the answer to that question is we both, both move. We yes. both move. I didn't feel the movement last night, so I don't know what happened. Sean, are you a full moon guy? Sean, do you care I, about the? I, I normally do. I missed out on it yesterday. I I wasn't I wasn't there. So so Michael <laughs> Michael, when I talked to Michael yesterday, he said he thought the full moon was two days ago, and I said no no no, the full moon is the twenty ninth. Um, that's the full moon. So what you saw was the almost full moon, and he said I can't believe it's going to be any bigger. And I said, well, I don't think the moon is bigger. I think the view is bigger, right? Like the moon is the same size all the time. It's This I think I'm right on. The yes. moon is the same size. It's just what we see of it, the percentage <laughs> yes. of it that we see. I don't know who's moving, but I'm pretty confident the moon is the same size. Let me get to, uh, we didn't have an open yesterday because we put Chris in the open, and I wanted to talk about this. I got a note from a longtime listener and emailer, Elliot Olshansky. Some of you will know that name in Comac, Long Island, out on the eastern part of Long Island, Suffolk County, not Nassau County. And he writes, Happy Hanukkah. This is a long letter, but this is pretty interesting. Happy Hanukkah. One of the things I've enjoyed most about the show over the last few years has been sharing the Americans with you. And the Americans, as everybody knows, is the sh was my favorite, well, one of my favorite shows of all time, and a show I was on for a split second, which was thrilling beyond words. Watching the show and hearing your comments, I felt like I was finally getting what I'd missed out on by not being a viewer of The Sopranos or American Idol when I first started listening to you back in the Washington Post radio days. I also took a greater interest in the show because Noah Emmerich, and Noah Emmerich is the guy who played Agent Stan Beekman, right? Was that his name, Stan Beekman? Yes, that's right. Noah that's right. Emmerich is my third cousin on my mother's side, although we've never met. When the show ended, a number of auctions were held of props and costume pieces. I guess this happens all the time. I didn't know about this. I really didn't. I, I'm just saying that. And out of curiosity, I checked out a lot comprised of Stan, Stan Beeman, not Beekman, Stan Beeman wardrobe pieces. I decided to bid. Like, I didn't, did you know you could do this? That no. they auction off the, the costuming of shows? I did not I, know that, no. This is so new to me. I decided to bid, and as a result, I was able to pay less than $150 Okay, one less than $150 for a Brooks Brothers jacket, two sweaters, two dress shirts, two belts, a pair of gloves, and no fewer than 17 neckties. And I add parenthetically, are you kidding me with this? Like, you can do this? Like, okay, they're worn. So what? They're worn by an actor. You know, come on. At the time, Elliot continues, I reluctantly admit I was working for your hated rival, Stony Brook University, and I wore these pieces quite often. Now, however, I work for Austin Williams, a marketing agency near my old apartment in Hop Hog, and dress less formally. I have to go to another page here. 
Knowing you're a fan of the show, I thought you might enjoy having one of Agent Beeman's ties. I would be honored if you would wear this on a future episode of PTI. Thanks so much for all your entertainment over the years and your kind words about my jingles. Best regards from Suffolk County, where I'm currently working out of my basement as our office closed as a precaution for the rest of 2020. And he said, I'm enclosing a certificate of authenticity. And so I have this authenticity and I have the item and the item is, now I will tell you when I opened up this package and I had no idea who it was from and I had no idea what was in it, I opened up this package and I saw a green tie with sort of white and green stripes, a normal rep tie stripe situation. Ties I like a lot. I like traditional ties. It is a Brooks Brothers tie because it was green and because the white had a certain gold cast to it. I thought it was a Binghamton tie. I thought somebody was sending me a tie from Binghamton University. So it's not that. And when I read this, I was just, I am delighted by this. And if we ever do PTI again, (laughs) yes, I will certainly (laughs) wear this tie at some point. And, you know, but the the fascinating thing to me is I can't believe the Americans is, is the only television show that does this. I'll bet Mad Men probably did this. That was a period oh, piece. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, so, I'll yeah. bet a lot of I bet a lot of if if the if the Americans does it, then a lot of shows do it. Listen up, we didn't do it. We weren't on long enough. Like there were no clothes. I just have that jacket that says Tony on the front and listen up on the back. But so I am delighted by this, and it leads me into this one other item, uh, and that is the death of Pierre Cardin. Pierre Cardin was over 90 years old. I think he was 98 years old. It is on A1 today, and Jeannie and I went back and forth about this this morning. Should Pierre Cardin be on A1? And I said, yeah, I'd put him on A1. He was a very, very famous designer, one of the sort of godlike designers. I would put him on A1. But what she said and what she's so right about is it means the omission of Chuck Yeager is all the worse. That Chuck Yeager wasn't on A1. His obituary did not start on A1. Because you really have to ask yourself, when you read the obituary of Pierre Cardin, one of the things he's very famous for is the Nehru jacket. Now, everybody makes fun of the Nehru jacket now, if they even talk about it now, which they probably don't. But in the 19, late 60s and 70s, um... If Johnny Carson wore your clothing on television when there were only three television networks and Johnny Carson was pulling in 30 million people a night watching and he wore your clothes, there's a big deal. And Johnny Carson, if anyone's old enough to remember, and some are who are listening to me, they remember Johnny Carson and they remember how stylish he was in a casual, stylish way. And he wore a narrow jacket every once in a while. So that was big for Pierre Cardin. But if you're going to tell me that the creation of the narrow jacket is more important than breaking the sound barrier, I'm going to ask you to leave the earth. <laughs> I'm just going to say, <laughs> you're just too stupid to be on the earth. Because it, it, it's just, it's not as important as what Chuck Yeager did. It's not even in the same time zone as what Chuck De- Yeager did, breaking the sound barrier. Anyway, but it gives me a chance to talk about uh, Pierre Cardin, who I don't know and whose clothing... I have a limited acquaintance with, but I will tell you this uh, because, as I've told you many times, nobody has to worry about me financially. I did very well. You're not going to have to hold a benefit from me. I'm going to be good. But I don't come from much, right? If, if I had to run the 100-yard dash, 
I had to start 100 yards away, whereas a lot of people I went to school with got to start 30 yards and 40 yards and even 50 yards closer because they came from money and breeding and background and they had done well. Not the sort of breeding of the Mayflower where I live, but you know, people who made money in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, and we were not part of that. So I didn't grow up uh, dressing you know, just fine, but not particularly stylish. There was, a, um, there was a clothing store near my high school called Jack Marcus, named for the owner of the store, Jack Marcus. And all the kids at Hewlett High School bought their clothes there. And we, you know, my parents allowed me to buy one or two items, but not a treasure trove of items, not the amount of items that Elliot Olshansky got from the Stan Beeman collection. <laughs> you know, I could buy one or two things a year. So we didn't have that kind of money, but I would have one or two things a year, which was nice. So when I got, when I got out of college and I went to a, very, very, I mean, I am a lower middle class kid and I went to a lower middle class college. Most of the people at Harper College, now Binghamton University, were the first people of their uh, families to go to college. And that was working class people. So when I got a job at Newsday on Long Island as a sports writer, you know, and occasionally I wore ties, and but I didn't have to wear them every day to work. But I wore them going out to do assignments, you know, so I had to buy some clothes. And then I got to the New York Times. The New York Times is a different deal. The New York Times was everything I had ever aspired to. It was the best news it is and was, uh, and I've worked at the two best newspapers, but the New York Times is the best newspaper. Um, and, and at the New York Times, there was a sort of a, not a written condition, but everybody dressed nicely. Everybody wore ties, everybody wore jackets, everybody wore suits. You know, they dressed nicely because this is New York City. So if you can imagine what Mad Men looked like in the 50s, even in the 70s, the New York Times sort of looked like that. So I had to go out and buy clothes. I had to go out on my own and figure out what to buy and where to buy them and how to dress and how to look okay. And what I'm getting to and, and is the item of uh, Pierre Cardin clothing that I had. Now, Pierre Cardin was not as influential or famous, I suppose, as Christian Dior. The House of Christian Dior, which I think started, and all of these French designers started doing women's clothing. But I think the House of Christian Dior was sort of uh, the, the, the best. And Christian Dior hired Pierre Cardin. Pierre Cardin, by the way, that is a French name, Pierre Cardin. That is not his name. His given name is Pietro Cardini. He was born in Italy and raised yeah. there. So he just adopted the name Pierre Cardin because it was going to help him as a designer. And there are very famous designers um, in America, there's Ralph Lauren and Bill Blass and Calvin Klein, Christian Dior, Yves Saint Laurent, Oleg Cassini. The most famous designer of only women's clothes is Coco Chanel. But a lot of these other people, as they got famous, started in women's clothing and then went to men's clothing. You know, because somebody had to make clothes for men. You know, because nobody was doing it. <laughs> so I, um, Pierre Cardin, as the obituary will tell you, Pierre, Pierre Cardin was the first person to put his name on stuff in a prominent place. So that was called brand. I don't think it was called branding then. It was called something else. I mean, it was just like upscale design. Like you wanted to wear something that had the person who designed it, their initials or their names on it. Um, Yves Saint Laurent had the YSL everywhere. I mean, everybody knows what this is like. Calvin Klein had the CK or whatever. Everybody signed their stuff and that became a status symbol to wear the clothing that was signed. 
And that sort of ended with the members only jacket, which is the last thing where people said, oh, no, I can't. Uh, no, I can't go there. So, I, I mean, that's been sort of reduced. Uh, it's that people have logos now, like Ralph Lauren has the polo player, but they don't they don't sign their names as much as they used to. Anyway, I had this tie. It was a bluish tie with pinkish polka dots on it. The polka dots were raised. The fabric was not smooth. The, the polka dots were raised. And at the bottom of the tie, at the V that is you know formed at the bottom of the tie, there was a PC, not for political correctness, but for Pierre Cardin. And this was the first tie I ever bought that I thought, wow, this is great. I mean, and I couldn't wear it enough, but you can't wear it all the time. You wear it once a month or something like that. Or people say, don't you have another tie? Um, so you, you, you pick your spots as to where you wore it. And I've remembered that. I don't know if I had anything else by Pierre Cardin, but that to me, that was my arrival. In other words, I could go into New York City wearing this tie and feel I could go anywhere. It could like If there was a luncheon for a sports event, if I had to go out and cover at the Garden, if I had to go to Shea or Yankee Stadium, if I wore a Pierre Cardin tie, I was good. I was good. And, and that, I don't still have the tie. I don't know what happened to it. Um, I'm, I'm, maybe I tossed it or maybe I gave it away after a suitable amount of time. It was probably wider and thicker in the knot than has been the style for the last 15 to 20 years. Though if I still had it, I would certainly try to wear it. Certainly in the attic, I would wear it with the junk that I'm wearing up there. <laughs> I would certainly do that. And I don't know that I bought anything else, as I said, from Pierre Cardin, but that to me was, okay, you, you are now, you're qualified to swim in the adult pool because you have a Pierre Cardin tie. Did you ever have some piece of clothing, Nigel or Sean, where, you, where it, it had a symbolic meaning for you that nobody else would understand as this Pierre Cardin tie had for me? I actually had a tie like that. I remember my dad, when we lived in central Illinois, my dad and uh -huh. I went up to Chicago to the giant Marshall Fields that was Oh, there. sure. Oh, and, sure. And and we found this sort of red and gray paisley tie that I still have in the closet 30 Great. years later. And every big event of of my early life, I wore it. And, and it was just, you know, it was this nice, my first nice silk tie with. This is, with yeah, this is, I mean, I don't, I'm sure that women have this same feeling, but men in particular, because men are not used to dressing up all the time. And when they dress up and when they put something on, yep. it has a psychological meaning that is, is often lost on, on, on other, uh, lost on women because women are used to dress. You know, women go out, they dress to go out. It's sort of different. Or maybe it isn't different. Jeannie will tell me if I'm stupid about this. She'll hear this <laughs> and let me know. Nigel, did you have any, do you have anything like that? Well, I, I didn't ever. I used to wear, of course, you know, I worked as a chimney sweep and there was not yep. often called to wear a tie. But the first ties that I really purchased um, that I loved, I don't know if you remember a place called Liberty of London. They had these do not, beautiful, do not. They were beautiful floral ties, which just like flowers oh, all over them. Yeah. And it was, but it, it wasn't like, I mean, I suppose it was a bit garish, but it was, it was lovely. And, no, uh, and but I, I mean, that I was the style at the time. Yeah, I uh, I just had you know dozens of well, not dozens I maybe had like four or five of those but those I I love those and I sort of became known as the Liberty of London guy which, uh, which so I that's like. fantastic I was I when I went uh, to England and I covered a Wimbledon and the British Open I made sure to come back with a Pringle sweater oh, that sure. was the height of of sort of British 
uh, craftsmanship with sweaters, wool sweaters, a Pringle sweater was a real big deal. I suspect it still is. I suspect you, it is still a real big deal. I will tell you this. I know they're not in fashion at all, but if I could get my hands on a Nehru jacket, I would love yeah. to wear one. No, no, they're very cool now. They lasted I, They lasted maybe an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> right. Everybody wore them. The Beatles even wore them for an hour, exactly. an hour and a half. You yeah, know, and, and, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. And was now if you see some dope wearing one of those, you go, wow, are you out of it? <laughs> but you're so far out of it that I respect it. I yeah. disrespect what you're doing. All right, so that was, um, that was my Elliot Olshansky story. And by the way, Brooks Brothers has always made solid, respectable, oh, yeah. wearable clothes. You can outfit yourself in mm -hmm. Brooks Brothers clothing in the United States of America and never be embarrassed by what you're wearing. Never. Uh, we'll take a break. Bob Ryan will join us. The quintessential American sports writer joins us when we return after a long absence, which I will explain. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Simply Safe ad. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe, whether it's from a break in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency. Simply Safe Home Security delivers award winning 24 7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get an arsenal of cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They got your back day and night, ready to send police, fire, or EMTs when you need them most straight to your door. We have Simply Safe in the studio that we think still exists at WMAL and that we hope to go back to at some point. But not today or tomorrow. Uh, Michael and Nigel. Nigel, you put up these sensors, didn't you? Like to, to guard against yeah. ruffians and, and vandals. You know, the we pump did. don't work because the vandals took the handle. You know, I think you know that. <laughs> Simply funny. Safe has an arsenal of sensors and cameras that protect every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. It's super easy. Then Simply Safe's professionals take over monitoring, monitoring your home 24 7. And ready to send help the moment there's an alarm. I really hate when people say 24-7. I really, I just hate it. Plus, with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract, no hidden fees or installation costs. And right now, listeners to this high-quality podcast can get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/tony. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com/tony, and again, simply is spelled S-I-M-P-L-I. For your free security camera today, that's Simply Safe. Dot com slash Tony. And by all means, people, use the code. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes to us from Fred Brown. It's called Subtle Winds. He says, I'm an avid listener of your show. It means so much if you'd be willing to play my song. I was able to record it with my daughters this past year. And it's a surprise for his wife who probably has no idea he sent this music in. Can we listen for about 15 seconds? Original music makes us happy, makes us yeah. happy. What else makes us happy is Bob Ryan, the quintessential American sports writer, who is joining us right now for a long period of time Bob was the most important guest that I had. And because of that, we always made sure to give Bob money. We paid Bob for his appearances. When we moved over to the podcast and the money was different and we didn't pay anybody, I felt an enormous pang of guilt. I just felt I couldn't ask Bob to be on because I had sort of changed the arrangement. And of all the people that I didn't want to change the arrangement with, it was going to be Bob Ryan. And I always 
loved Bob Bryan as a writer and as a person, and we go back forever and ever and ever and sat together at events long before most of you listeners were even born. And it's, it's with great gratitude that I welcome Bob Ryan back to the program. And I won't, I won't make you do it all the time, but I'm so happy you can do it now. And so thank you. Well, you're totally welcome. You're fully absolved from any, uh, I, I relieve you of any guilt. Don't, do not stress. No, I can't. You can't. Even even Irish Catholics can't remove Jews of guilt. You can't do it. You, just, you can't do it. We both have it. We're both steeped in it. It's like broth. It's all over our bloodstreams, guilt. Um, let, let, me, let me start with this, because uh, it really does interest me. There is no greater combination in the history of professional football, no greater then Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. It's just you're not you can come up with all the names you want. There's not nothing greater than that. They split up. Uh, Brady went down to Tampa Bay. Belichick obviously stayed. Belichick did not have a great year. Brady had a good year that gets him into the playoffs that could end up a great year. The area you know that 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 the New England Patriots cater to. All your all your guys, what is the reaction to what happened, the split up, and, and how it has played out? Growing anger, if only because Bill Belichick has reverted to his worst self as the quarterback situation has deteriorated to total embarrassment. Uh, he has been snarky all week when asked reasonable questions about the immediate and uh, the immediate future, which is Sunday, and who should start, right. Newton right. or Stidham. Forget about the future. That, 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 that'll be an ongoing off-season soap opera. Um, he's just reverting to his worst self. People, you would like to think, Tony, that a reasonable amount, that a large amount of people, at least a, a plural, a majority, would, would anticipate that there would be a step, a step back, a setback that, this year. And, sure. and, uh, and, and, and they could accept that as a rational uh, de development because the, the team just wasn't very good. And now, in addition to Brady's departure, um, they had eight opt-outs due to COVID, two of which were significant, uh, for sure. Gerard Mayo, excuse me, I mean, uh, Hightower, Dante Hightower, and, yeah. and Patrick Chung. Now, uh, you know, they, they the other guys would have helped. So that, I don't know how many teams had eight opt-outs in but they, they, that was a, a bad number. Um, so there, there was other thing. the defense was nowhere near what it, what it had been uh, as well. But no one, Tony, could have foreseen that they would have a quarterback with twice as many uh, interceptions as, as touchdowns, uh, namely 10 and 5, respectively, and, and, uh, it, and it just, has, just had no, given them no passing game whatsoever. So I, I guess I, I don't think you have to necessarily pit Belichick against Brady. I think you no. can root for both to do well. But I am curious, are people happy for Brady, or is his success resented? I don't know for sure. I mean, I do know that the, uh, they, they tried to arrange a schedule, TV people, so that Boston's secondary team would be the bucks in terms of television viewing. Mm -hmm. and, and there was, a, I know in my circle, we... we latched onto that. You know, we have a circle of people now that's been reduced naturally in COVID, but we had a much larger one for years. But, um, you know, the, my small group of the two, no, two, two couples that we watched the games together, 
uh, as a rule, uh, uh, have also been, you know, we're very fascinated with, with the whole Brady situation. In general terms, um, I think people uh, still have a fun. How could they not have a fond fondness for Brady? I mean, look, he's a, he's a, turned into a complete goofball. He's, you know, he's, a, he's, he's as a person, he's not as rootable as he once was. This TB12 shameless huckster oh, is, oh, is, is, is reprehensible. His lifestyle, yes. you know, buying this elaborate boat and uh, you know, in, in the midst of of an economy where you know we all know what's going on in the real world, it was a dumb. Uh, optic, I hate that word, but as much as you hate 24-7, but yeah. it was a dumb thing to do. Uh, he, he lives in lavish circumstances. He, everything he does is over the top, uh, except his you know, eating habits, which are under the, under the radar. But anyway, he's, he's not likable, rootable as a person anymore, but uh, as a player, that's a different matter. Let me get to Cam Newton, because and again, I'm looking from afar. He can't throw at all. He can't pass at all. But it does seem that he has not been a prima donna, that he has said, this has been a bad year for me. I'm trying my best. I'm working hard. He seems to accept blame when he should accept blame. He seems from a distance to be likable as, as a New England Patriot, but he's just not a good player anymore, right? He has been remarkably uh, charming and, and, and uh, uh, approachable, and, and the things that come out of his mouth are what you would like to hear from someone who has been as abysmal as he's been. And the, he's got complete public backing from the coaching staff. Let me just give you a very quick quote uh, from Josh McDaniels, the, the, the offensive coordinator uh, today. He's done, this is on the subject of Newton and in response to the, the, all the criticism he's gotten. He's done a tremendous job. He studies. He works as extremely hard as any player I've ever coached. He comes in prepared each day. He prepares hard for every practice, every session we have, and he's ready to go each week at the game. He gives us everything he's got. And then blah, 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 blah. Everybody points at a quarterback, and that's, that's fair. Cam, Cam has handled that burden, that responsibility, and the criticism with tremendous grace and class all year long, as he should and as I would expect. They said he's obviously earned the respect of this entire building, organization, every coach and player in here. The way we feel about him won't change. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's good. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad. But he totally so, stinks. Right, he can't Except play. He's got, he's got 12 rushing touchdowns, which ties the team record set by Steve Grogan in 1976 and, and has a chance for, if he does it two more on Sunday, to tie his own, uh, his own single-season yeah. record. And that's well and good, and it's, that's all he's been good for, though. That's all he's been good for. He had, he's had, had one nice game. Opening day, he was good. And if, I, I wrote it and said at the time, if he gives them 15 more of those, they're going to be in good shape. Well, of course, he didn't come remotely close. to He's lucky if he gave them one more of those. Let me move off that and get to somebody who I think has earned the ire of people in the Boston area, Kyrie Irving. Oh, yeah. um, who, you know, but yet Kyrie Irving came back, right? He came back with the Nets. <laughs> And as much as I hate, and I do, I hate the Nets. I want them to fail, but they're really good. What was that like when he came back and, and he and Durant just drilled the Celtics? Uh, he dropped 37 on them. And, oh. and this is with Marcus Smart, who we like to think is a great defensive player on the other side and everything. Okay. Um, it, it hurt. It, it, no, no one thinks anything good about Kyrie Irving around here. Uh, and, or, and, and I can tell you, the Nets will find out. You know, I, I keep saying there's three things about Kyrie Irving. Uh, the first thing, he's not as smart as he thinks he is. The second thing is, every team that has him, he would, this will not be his last stop. 
and every and when he leaves every place, the, the, what people say will say is, "We couldn't figure that guy out." And the third thing is, I believe he's searching for something in life, and he has no idea what it is. He's, he's a perplexing human being. However, yeah. that uh, uh, with the ball in his hands, he gets to the rim <laughs> as well as anybody his size I have ever seen. And he hit the single biggest shot of the decade, as you know. And, and yep. he is a consummate offensive force. But do you want to have him around? No. Uh, as long as we're playing reaction games, the Boston Red Sox have, have re-embraced their former manager. Um, how, do, how does that sit with people in Boston? I, I'm going to guess it's about 90-10 in, in favor. Uh, people, what, 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 what uh, scandal? What you know, no, not not for him. No, uh, his, right. he's got an overwhelming goodwill. It was received with, uh, it was welcomed with, uh, very much so, uh, and and uh, it's like around here it never happened. Of course, we're inured around here to envelope pushing, to be polite, uh, thanks to our football team. Yes, uh, as, yes. And uh, people have gotten gotten used to the idea that you know, hey, uh, you know, what the hell? Uh, so 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 he got caught with his hand in that cookie jar. No, it's it's going over fine here. He is Cora is a very good manager, is he not? He, he right. really he's, actually is. Is 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 he, he had yes. The answer is absolutely yes. Uh, that first year it was everything. It was it was a Midas touch. Second year not so much. But he is a good manager, and and uh, he had an influence on certain people that I think they're going to really. Uh, you'll, you'll see the Raphael Devers being specifically that person. Um, but he's an excellent manager. He's a, he's, a, he's a dream guy for the media. He's, you know, uh, uh, bilingual. His English is so impeccable. He's smart, uh, idiomatic. Um, he gets the whole Boston thing, uh, you know. So, no, he's, a, he's the perfect guy for Boston. Right, so let me turn the, from happier news to sadder news. There's been in recent days, Casey Jones mm-hmm. died uh, about a month ago. Tommy Heinsohn died earlier in the year, I think in April. John Havlicek died the Boston Celtics are the greatest dynasty in the history of the NBA, and it centers on, of course, Bill Russell uh, and probably Bob Cousy, who are both alive but who are the last remaining of the, of the Boston Celtics. You covered them. You yeah. watched them. You know them so well. How has, how has this affected uh, the, the region, and, and what are people's thoughts about Cousy and Russell? The... the um uh, 1957 championship team, their first championship team, had remarkable longevity. Uh, uh, they, so many of them lasted well into their 80s. And, and uh, the last two of that original team are Cousy, who's 92, and Russell, who's 86. Uh, Cousy is um, living in Worcester, Mass., uh, is not as mobile as he'd like to be, but has 100% command of his faculties. He's still witty, charming, uh, insightful. Uh, I talked to him. He's, he's terrific. Uh, Russell uh, is 86. Um, I think he's having a little, you know, deterioration, but uh, uh, he's put out a beautiful tweet uh, on KC when KC died. They were teammates, of course, and, and at the USF as well as the Olympics as well as the Celtics. Um, yeah, it's been a tough year and a half. Halicek died in April of 2019 of Parkinson's. Um, the, the two left eyes, Sarkozy and, and Russell, uh, who were the, the original foundation of the, of the dynasty, no question. Cousy was Mr. Basketball, uh, and, and Russell came in 56 and, put the, and, and was tied the ribbon you know, on the package, and, and they won 11 of the next 13. Oh, yeah, people here at Kineson now was, uh, was the ultimate Celtic in that he had an association with the team from the time he came in in 1956 until he died. Uh, he, as a, as a, a player, a coach, and a broadcaster, 
and, and was, uh, had a whole new generation of people who never saw him play, had no idea, never saw him on the sidelines on, on, with the Celtics as a player, but know him as a broadcaster. And he was a, 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 a homer's homer, uh, a referee baiter, and, 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 uh, and, and a bombastic personality and, and fun to listen to, unless you were the other team, of course. But, uh, Tommy, uh, you know, they've dedicated the season to him. They're wearing little patches on their uniform. Uh, Tony, that say Tommy on, on, okay. on the left on the left uh, lapel, and uh, uh, the whole season is being you know uh, his his name's going to live here forever. Now, and Bill, KC, Bill Russell, on KC, um, that was such a, a, a wonderful, charming man. Everybody loved KC. You'll never hear a bad word about him. Um, uh, you know, and so it's great, great fondness. But the, the younger generation, you know, don't have any idea about KC, but they sure did about Heinsohn. So well, because Heinsohn, you know, stayed with the team the whole the time. Yeah, he was in. He was a. Yeah. a, a you know, it was a presence right to the end. So with with Russell and Kuzi, and they were the two best, as you said. They're the they're the foundation of the Celtics dynasty. They were the greatest players of their era at the positions that they played. There was no, there was no doubt about that. Kuzi was always a very public person, a very approachable person. Bill Russell, not public and not approachable. But both, I have to assume, are beloved in the area and should be. Well, Kuzi, of course, uh, he's lived in Worcester, you know, since 1950 and, and, uh, and coached at BC back in the 60s when I, when I was there. My whole four years, Kuzi was the coach from 19... And um, uh, Russell, uh, it took a long time for the Russell to... Um, Warm embrace Boston and, and vice versa. You know, Russell had noted that, you know all kinds of problems here. Uh, living in Boston, it was not real happy, uh, and, and with good reason. Uh, was not as appreciated as he should have been at the time uh, by enough people for what uh, for his importance. Uh, Kuzi, you know, never had anything but adulation. Um, 1999, we had a ceremony for Russell at the Boston Garden. Uh, it was a, a tribute to Russell uh, that was uh, uh, star-packed. Wilt made a flight from L.A. overnight to come to it. Here's the funny part, Tony. Uh, the MC was Bill Cosby. And, oh. and, uh, yeah, and Bill Cosby uh, mm. did something that he, he, he made, you know, he, he had fun, made fun of Wilt at, at, you know, at, uh, for, on behalf of Russell, which never would have gone over very well the other way around. I can assure you that. But then uh, there's a statue. And there was a ceremony we had about four years ago uh, for Russell. There is a statue in City Hall Plaza, and uh, and certainly something should be named for him around here because we have a, we've been blessed with superstars uh, galore, but uh, the, the number one is still Bo Russell. Bob, thank you so much for being on. Uh, you know, oh. if you don't mind, I'm going to call again. I won't. I won't do it in a week, but I'm going to call again if that's okay. Honey, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. As you know that, so that's it's been it's been fun for me. Good. Bob Ryan, boys and girls, we will take a break. When we return, Chuck Todd is going to try and crawl out of this hole that he dug himself. Uh, he's behind a monkey. He's behind a monkey. Come on. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here's the Wonder Woman ad. You can experience the epic adventure Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters and on HBO Max. Now streaming at no extra cost to HBO Max subscribers. Plus, with HBO Max, stream the greatest collection of series, movies, 
and exclusive Max Originals all in one place. Discover something new to watch. The Undoing, The Flight Attendant, His Dark Materials. Those are shows, I'm assuming. And So Much More. I don't assume that And So Much More is a show. I assume that's actually literally And So Much More. (laughs) Go to HBOMax.com or download the app to sign up and start streaming today. Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be something that everybody sees, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody's well, going to watch that. Done, done huge numbers so far. Yeah, it's very um very popular. Yeah, it's it's rated PG thirteen, and you you know this seems like a good deal. Seems like a good deal to me. What do I know? This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. One day I just fell asleep. This is our rabbi, and by our rabbi, I mean the show's rabbi, Misha Ben David, who writes, It's been almost a year since a track of mine passed muster with Nigel, hoping this re-release of a 1999 single of mine will get it done. Thought I would also upgrade your knowledge about the night sky. Here's a clue. Stare at a light in the cosmos. If it twinkles, it's a star. Planets are solid, unblinking light. So now that you've let me go all Carl Sagan on you, play my song, Wake Me Up in Time. Another example of fabulous original music. And if people like Rabbi Misha Ben David, Nigel, want to send us their music, how do they do so? Which can be heard in its entirety without interruption at the end of the podcast. Yes, please send us your original music to jingles at TonyCornheiserShow.com. I've got two corrections for names of littles who have sent music in. There was a Biff Gott. I think I called him Bill. It's actually Biff Gott sent us in something last week. And I believe we Biff identified... Biff is Joe. one of the characters, one of the sons in... in um, Death of a Salesman. That's in Death right. of a Salesman. Yeah. Yes. So sorry about the that, Greatest Biff. American uh, play. And Josh Bayer. I think we might have identified him as Josh Baker, but it was Josh Bayer from American University, the jazz uh, performer we had on the other day. So, so why just, did we get these wrong? Well, because I'm terrible at my job. I think we all know oh, that. Good. Chuck Todd joins us now. Chuck Todd has gone down the drain. We love Chuck Todd. But the last three weeks, he is 5-15-1, falling desperately behind a simian. Not a person. A simian. Chuck was 1-5 last week. You wanna, before we get to these things, do you want to talk about 1-6, rather? What's happened? Well, I, you know, I think I've been exposed. Uh, I was raised in another, you know, I kept telling people I was raised in another country. Sorry, wrong story. Uh, I just find that story hilarious. I mean, hilarious. Um, I can't. I, I just, I had to try it once. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have no explanation other than I have, uh, if it makes you feel better, I've, 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 uh, I've been losing financially um, in the real betting world as well. It's been an awful, the pros have really kicked my tail. I've actually been doing fine in the bowl games, but the pros have really been kicking my tail. I got no good explanation other than it's the NFL, man. You know, and I, that's right. You know, I, we bet on, a, I, I mean, come on. I, you, you bet who's betting on the Bengals and the Jaguars and, and the Jets who are betting on these teams. Okay. And so one loss, but, but in the Jaguars, but the, 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 the Bengals and the Jets both win again. I mean, you know, come on, man. So, come on, man. what are we even doing out only here? Only a man? monkey. Only a monkey's picking those games. <laughs> All right. So, let me explain what happened because Nigel gives Chuck a, a set of games. Like, uh, unlike Jeff Ma, who picks his own games, Nigel gives Chuck the games. And he showed me the games last night, and I said, no, don't, don't give him 
the Jets in New England, they're not playing for anything. Let's get all playoff games. And I said, and don't give them Pittsburgh plus seven and a half at Cleveland. If you have a Pittsburgh plus seven and a half at Cleveland, that means Pittsburgh's not playing. They're not playing their, their real players because they've clinched. There's nothing in it for them to play their real players. And sure enough, an hour later, Nigel said, Roethlisberger is not going to play at all. And I said, I believe I had that. So yes. we changed out. We changed out to games that even if they don't appear to be great games, they all have playoff implications. Right. It is a very warning, possible. A word of what? warning on these games. These what? games, these week 17s, and I read a stat this week on, on all this, that, that what you're saying just now is what everybody in the public thinks. And so then what you have is inflated lines. So you okay. end up having these teams, and this is what my guess is your, your Jeff Ma segment is going to end up. He's going to ride all of these teams. Pittsburgh, he's going to ride any of these teams that, that don't have to win versus the ones that do because it's going to get over. You know, the public is making the same assumption. Oh, well, forget that. I'm, I'm loading up on Cleveland. And then all of a sudden you're like, ooh, seven and a half? Actually, Eight? that you line know, that is 10 now, I yeah. believe. So I, I'm I'm not yeah. even yeah I I took those games off our no, board and glad. tried to get I'm glad you yeah did because I agree as I said to as I said to Nigel when he sent me the first games I said I need whiskey and a dartboard yeah <laughs> right I mean yeah. that's what so coach and, and of course as he said he goes that I think you implied is that's what Reginald does every week <laughs> yes at least twice a week so let's get to some games here's a straight up game that has to be played. You know, because the winner of this game could end up in the playoffs for the NFC East. This is Dallas minus three at the New York Giants, probably in recognition that Dallas has played better lately than the Giants have played lately. Minus three if you like Dallas. I, you know, I, I only because it does seem as if Dallas is going to find their way into this thing. Uh, I, I, it does feel like the Giants uh, are no longer – are no longer playing above their potential the way we thought they were the last the, the, the sort of the weeks eight, nine, ten, whatever that was. Give me, give me the Cowboys only because it does feel as if somehow they're going to find their way into the playoffs. I don't disagree on that at all. Not at all. Here's, here's a game where the line has changed today. Miami is at Buffalo. It was now Miami has to win. It is very possible in the AFC that an 11-5 and five team doesn't get in. It's possible. Um, Miami was plus four and a half at Buffalo. Miami is now plus one at Buffalo because Buffalo has nothing to play for. Buffalo is clinched and pretty much locked in, and that is a recognition on the part of the people who make the line that Miami is closer to winning the game, even in an impossible, incredibly cold weather circumstance. They're closer today than they were Monday afternoon before Buffalo throttled New England. So now if you like Miami, now it's plus one. Plus four and a half was very attractive. Plus one, not as attractive, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't like it at all. Uh, for the reason I said to you earlier, it feels like it's almost been, you know, over bet. You know, this idea, well, Miami has to win and Buffalo doesn't. And who's to say Buffalo, I buy the idea that they're going to play a first half with everybody and then you sort of you sort of see what's going to happen i i right. I, I don't lo look i this is as you know i grew up with this team of my youth they, they actually remind me of the early 80s dolphins this team reminds me of the pre-marino dolphins team that snuck into the super bowl that one year and a strike short in the year when they had didn't have a starting quarterback woodstrock we called them 
David Woodley and Don Strock, and it's like yeah, David Woodley was in the started in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it it was almost the same thing, right? David Woodley was this younger guy who could move the pocket a little bit. They were convinced that he could be the quarterback. That's Tua. Then they bring in the old guy who's held the clipboard forever, been around the block forever. Strock, the guy was terrible whenever they started Strock, but if they brought him in midway through, then all of a sudden, you know. But I don't know. I, I think this team feels a year a year away. And, and and they they don't belong in the playoffs, so I've I, I just I'm going with Buffalo. Okay, the next game has a line change as well, but not because someone is locked in. It's Baltimore at Cincinnati. It was eleven and a half. Now it's minus thirteen at Cincinnati. Cincinnati just won. Baltimore needs to win. Baltimore's not in. You know, Baltimore needs to win this game. Uh, and so the line goes up. Not that there's a sense that Cincinnati is going to not play its regular players, but that Baltimore is a lot better right. than Cincinnati. Will you give the 13? You know, this is an eye test. Like, this goes back to what I was just saying with the Dolphins. Dolphins and Ravens. Which team belongs in the playoffs? Ravens. Right, yeah. And, and so yeah. It, it just feels, you know, it's one of those you're like, well, it doesn't make sense if it's the Dolphins and not the Ravens. Plus the Ravens, boy, do they beat up bad teams. Right. They seem to be fine against the bad teams. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of points, but I. I, um, I could see the the Ravens pulling off one of these twenty four to threes, twenty even or a twenty four to ten. So give me give me the Ravens. I will say that if I were Kansas City, the one team that I would be most afraid of in the AFC is Baltimore if they got in. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, it, you know, it, they're really they're more than team. Buffalo. More than Buffalo. Yes. Yes, I would. That's just me. That's just me. Uh, well, Although I, they have the gagged reason, in the playoffs. The, ol- the only reason I take I agree with you on that is Harbaugh. Here's a guy yeah, that knows what he's in doing. The playoffs knows what he's doing yeah. and all of that. But good grief, Buffalo right now they're playing better than. If you believe Kansas City is struggling, Buffalo Which I the don't. last five weeks on. I agree. They I look think they're good. just sort of they do whatever yeah. they need to do to win. Right, right. They look like they're a, a cat playing with uh, catnip. But anyway. Here is a game. Here's a game that uh, Tennessee tremendously disappointing recently, as far as I am so concerned. Happy. They I'm need so to win. Tennessee needs to win. They are at Houston. Houston, basically, JJ Watt said, "You're a bunch of losers to his teammates. You're just all losers." Houston has had a terrible year. Fired their coach early. Has done absolutely nothing. Tennessee at Houston minus seven and a half. I'm curious. Do you think that JJ Watt rant? plays well in the locker room or do you no. think there's a bunch of people in there that go where have you, you been man Who are yeah you? you've been yeah, you've been, been you've been hurt for three years yeah. shut up you know pretty I, boy shut up yeah, yeah that's what i, I mean, think you know, i don't think he'll be brother. on that team next give year give me tj give me tj that guy shows up yeah i don't think right? he'll be on that team next year yeah i don't know I don't. if that rant. i tell you if you want to know a team that has cost me more actual money it's the houston texans i never get this team right i think i've said that with you them and the colts all year long. Um, I love Deshaun Watson. I feel sorry for him. He looks, he literally looks like a, a, a one guy who has nobody else helping him. Um, I want to take Houston here because I just don't trust Tennessee. They look, they, they look like, you know, if you can somehow contain Henry as the Packers did, then yeah, make Tannehill beat you. He's not going to all the time. I want to take Houston here and I'm going to just because I feel like a short week Tennessee that, that, I don't know, there's something wrong with Tennessee. Okay. All right. We were going to give you the Jacksonville uh, indie game, but it just, I just, 
No, I just said no to that. I, 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 well, just, you know, no one wants that's to see it. It. It, Jacksonville beat Indy. Yeah, you know game that, one. Right? Game one. Game one, but they're you not going to do it and, again. And, and how, well, how about, I mean, wouldn't that be a delicious story that Indianapolis loses to them and doesn't make the playoffs? Knocked out twice by them. Yeah, but we only give you seven games, and each game, each, each of these games has playoff possibilities. Green yeah. Bay, which may have nothing to play for, Green Bay goes to Chicago. They're minus five and a half, but Chicago can mathematically make the playoffs, right? They can get in at nine and seven, I believe, in the NFC. They can. So Green Bay has looked very good lately. I don't. I think they're locked in. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they have to win as well to get the one seed. Will you give five and a half? I think the one seed matters a lot. Don't you want to see Drew Brees outdoors if you're the Packers? Sure. I mean, it, 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 yeah. Sure. I mean, I feel like I feel like more than anything in the. And I know we don't think home field matters that much, but weather I matters. I watched, I watched that Sunday night game and was reminded. Oh, right. Yeah, weather matters to be the one seed, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I want to. Um, I, I actually think Packers are going to roll. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm I think Rodgers rolls. You know, the Bears have been winning when nobody. Yes, they have. You know, all of it, it. But it's one of those you're like, oh, now that everybody realizes it matters and the game's on the line, and Mitch Trubisky has to win a game to make the playoff. Are you really betting on Mitch Trubisky to have to win one? Right. Not it's against been, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah, not against him. It, it, no, it's um, give me the Packers, and that, it's five and a half, right? Five and a half. Five, five and, and a half. half. Yeah, that's it. Arizona, that's a Arizona goes to the Los Angeles Rams. Another disappointing team. I don't know the status of Jared Goff. I thought he was out. I'm not certain about that. Arizona, hurry out too. Did I? That I don't know. Is Arizona plus two? one and a half. The winner is the winner can get in, right? The winner can get in in this one. Right, it's Arizona plus one. Winner, it's loser goes home. Right, I got one and a half. Well, I'm going to take the Rams only because if you look at the four units, right? Who's got the be- what's the best of the four units? The two offensive, two. De- you would assume the Rams defense. Defense, Rams defense. Yeah. Yep. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to go with them. Um. How did the Rams end up – there are so many – you know, I know we're going to go, and I don't want to create like a Colin Kaepernick story, but you just sit there and you're going, who are these quarterbacks that um, are getting like Heineke with the football team? And I, I, right. I didn't even recognize the guy they had on the Rams. Who's the starter going to be, Nigel? Nigel has no idea. He has no <laughs> yeah, idea. I'm not sure. Not no, sure. not sure means we're, I we're have no idea. Segment. We're three, right? None of us know. But the point is, I'm not saying that. And you know, some listeners could argue, shouldn't the three of you guys have done that in advance? Yeah, but that's they the could. point. That's the point. How did the Rams, a supposedly Super Bowl contender, allow themselves to be in a situation where if something went wrong with Goff, who's not exactly an electric starter, they have, they don't even have a. Uh, there's a Jameis Winston, you know, they don't have any of these, uh, a, a reasonable backup. There's not a Josh McCown's not hanging around. Anyway, I, I don't, it's uh, John Wolford is now the Rams starting quarterback. No idea who he is. No idea. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I look, I follow a lot of college football. I can't name the college that guy went to. Is he Wake so, Forest? I don't know. Uh, I don't know who he is. So I, I got a note the other day from Adam Mandel about this very topic. And what I wrote back 
was Ryan Fitzpatrick is worth his weight in gold. He is. Well, right. You got to have somebody. How about this? Do you sign Dwayne Haskins if you're the Rams? Well, anybody could have claimed him, and he went through waivers unclaimed. He's Uh, an NFL starting quarterback, and the Rams desperately need something. Do you think Sean McVay wouldn't have called somebody in Washington who he knew who was still there and said, what do you make of this guy? Yeah, but I think he would have made that call. Yeah, I assume that too, but there's a part of me, there's a tiny part of me though that would have just leave it to like McVay to figure out how to get the best out of Haskins in one game and like prove the football team anyway. But that, you know, that's, that's a whole nother story. John well, Wolford did go to Wake Forest. I, I'm reading here that he originally went to Binghamton, but transferred to Binghamton. He didn't play football. We have no football so. team. We have no football team. He wouldn't have gone to Binghamton. <laughs> but did he transfer? He transferred after finding out they had no football team. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> after he was recruited to play football by a non-existent football team, the great sales job. He must be an idiot if he did. And that. in 2018, he was an off-season or practice squad member of the New York Jets. So. If he couldn't make that roster, it kind of tells you something. All right, here's the last one. For the playoffs. Here's the last one, and this is going to be on your network. This has been flexed in. Two losing teams have been flexed in to the Sunday night game. Washington at Philadelphia. Washington on the road, giving one and a half. Giving one and a half. What do you do? I'm, I really, I, I love the Heineke story. It feels like a, like the ultimate sports movie, right? Type of thing. Sure. Um, or, or maybe he's, uh, what was that movie? The Replacements. Oh, right? sure. Yes. He's, 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 it was Jason Washington. He's our Keanu Reeves. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I think we're, the football team's stuck in the matrix. Uh, I, I, I'm going Eagles here because it does, this feels, Again, I go back to Dallas feels like they're sneaking into these playoffs. It's hard to imagine with all the chaos happening with this offense. I mean, look, it it was still a one-score game. I mean, it shows you how decent that defense is. So, you you know, they'll be in the game. But this feels like the Eagles are going to win this game. There's just – how is Washington a playoff team, right? They just doesn't – with all of this mess, the ownership stuff, Another interesting story in the post today, which I'm sure you guys have already um, talked about. I, I, I don't know. It just feels like even if the NFL could figure out a way to prevent the Washington team to get in the playoffs, I think they would. Uh, I don't. I just don't. I don't see it under any circumstance. It's be-, be amazing if Jerry Jones had to say that Jerry Jones got into the playoffs after everything that happened at the beginning of the year. How terrible they were. All right, that's great. Thank you, Chuck. And and let's hope that you go six and one. Let's hope you reverse last week. I'm and hoping for you. Give me a- Give, give me give me 500. I think that it's like watching Congress. Give me 500. I don't even need a winning team anymore. Just stop losing. <laughs> thank you, Chuck. Talk to you. Bye, thank you. Thank you. And if we gave you Chuck Todd, it would be more than enough. But we give you a monkey. A monkey who was 2-1 last week and is now only one game under 500. We give you Reginald. See the monkey. He's scritch, scritch, scratching. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Hanging with Bud Grant. Tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Reginald's got the bikes by two. Sometimes he throws his boo, boo, boo. When he's had too much Johnny Walker blue. 
All right, he's on a hot streak. He's on a hot streak. He's had some winning weeks now. When you went down to the zoo, what did you find, Nigel? Uh, he is a hot monkey. Um, and I went down. He was actually online bidding on clothing from the program BJ and the Bear. Uh, I was very excited about that. And he was also excited to show me. I'd never seen this before. He's got an extensive collection of clothing worn by the legendary J. Fred Muggs. So he was How very menacing. J. Fred yeah. Muggs, the original monkey on the Today Show with Dave yes. Garraway. Turned, yes. It turned bad at the end. It turned bad. It did. It did. Well, it always turns bad, but it really did for J. Fred Muggs. Um, but if, you, if there was a, a Mount Rushmore of famous monkeys, J. Fred Muggs has to be on that, right? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Sure. Yes. Well, the first game we gave him uh, was the Giants hosting Dallas and the Giants getting three. And Reginald should be a, a lovely little photograph of him um, eating at the Tavern on the Green with Ed Koch, Harry Carson, and Mark Bavaro. So clearly, he's got ties to the New York area, and he will take the Giants with the three points in that match. Um, the second match we gave him was Cincinnati getting 13 at home against Baltimore. Uh, and this is a, a, a nice little video of, of Reginald hang gliding with Ken Anderson, Chris Collinsworth, and Sam Weish. So this is obviously some years ago, but he does have ties to the Cincinnati area, and he will take the Bengals with the 13. And so he's taking two home dogs right there. And the last yeah. match we gave him was, of course, the Washington football team. Football uh, team. Giving one and a half at Philly, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you caught this performance. I think it was at the Kennedy Center. Um, it was a live production of um, the Music Man, and Reginald's performing in that along with Jay Schrader, Dave Butts, and Art Monk. Um, <laughs> he really should be seventy-six trombones. The way they do it is just fantastic. So clearly, he will take the Washington Football Team and lay the one and a half. How about the fact that that's flexed in? This is a like what is it? A six and nine team against the. Four, eight and one team, something like that. That's flexed into Sunday night. The highest rating of the week is always a Sunday night football game in all yeah. of television. They flex yeah. that one. They mm -hmm. flex that one because it's two big Eastern markets. That's why it's two big Eastern markets. And so they think that people are going to watch, but it's, you know, dreadful teams over the course of the season. All right, we're good. That's all very good. Uh, so we will take a break and we will come back with email and a jingle, right? That's correct. Okie dokie, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That's tremendous. That's unbelievable. That's by Ian Warrington, who writes, I've heard many different covers of Gary's mailbag song in a range of musical genres, but I can't recall a fiddle tune version. So I humbly submit Gary's reel, a folk dance adaptation. As with the songs I shared in October, it's a mix of fiddle, guitar, and piano. Artist permission granted since I'm the only musician, and I'm assuming Gary doesn't mind. This is Ian Warrington, who also is an emergency room doctor at Sibley Hospital. So it's yes. not like he doesn't have multiple talents and p.s if people want to check out the rest of my music they can go to ianwarringtonmusic.com that was great absolutely Brilliant. great um so you want to do the bethesda, bethesda bagel ad for us oh sure yeah bethesda bagels we love them you will as well just uh go to bethesdabagels.com for the location in the nearest you in the washington dc area and then stop on by uh and you will be very happy because everything they have in there is simply magnificent 
That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say you're a naughty one, Saucy Jack. You're a haughty one, Saucy Jack. Thanks to our guests today, Bob Ryan and Chuck Todd. Great to have Bob back. Thanks as well to our sponsors today, Simply Safe and HBO Max, where you can now watch Wonder Woman 1984. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. And Sean, you have an update on that. I think you said gray and reddish paisley tie. Yes, and it is. It's a not Pierre Cardin. It's Christian Dior and uh, fabric made in Italy, and uh, still looks good. Is it signed? Does it have a CD? Does it say D- he used to sign things that said Dior? That would be somewhere on it. Just Dior. Is that there or no? Uh, that I don't have. No. Okay. All right. Well, that's that was the beginning of upscale designers. I mean, when again. You bought something and you advertised the person who was making it, and it sort of ended with the members-only jacket where you went, this, I can't tolerate this. Ah, from Aaron Whitelaw. We didn't mean Saliza. Uh, This is called Familiar Voices. We didn't mean Saliza, but my partner went to uh, Florida Gulf Coast, so eat it, Saliza. Sincerely, Dunk City. And, of course, they did that to Georgetown, which is tough for Chris. From Teresa LaHaye, L-A-H-A-I-E, Springfield, Missouri. Springfield, Missouri. Springfield, Illinois is where the great Tamara Graham is from. So I'm in my COVID bubble and we are bored. Even the joy of a Belichick beatdown is uninspiring. So we bust out the libations and the UNO cards. Even in my losing efforts, I am able to play a draw four card. Finally, this is where I win. When I play it, I exclaim, eat it, Saliza. Crickets. No one knows what I'm talking about. The sadness is overwhelming. Bring back Saliza. From Rich in Springfield, another Springfield, I guess. I always thought the Loomis Chafee School for the Rich was a show gag based on an actual place, but not an actual place. Naturally, when I saw a young man wearing a Loomis Chafee sweatshirt, I assumed he was a little with some sweet TK merchandise. I gave him a hearty lachiserie and a TK salute. Surprisingly, it was not well received. (laughs) You'll learn something new every day. From Andrew in Jersey City. I've recently moved into a new apartment without a dishwasher. Long story, yada, yada, yada. But my hand dishwashing equipment is subpar. I need a contact for German steel wool from hormone-free, free-range steel sheep. We've all recently <laughs> learned you can't grow steel. It obviously comes from shearing steel sheep, and Harry's has the best. From Neil in Rockville, from whom we haven't heard in a long time. It's interesting how some people like Rocky took pride in being the recipient of shrapnel from a half-eaten tuna sandwich from the likes of Jimmy Breslin, while others who come under similar fire with bits of salad from the likes of a great like Larry King seem to be traumatized. Larry King just kept spitting the Duke salad on my daughter. It was terrible. From Brandon Costello, he's now Brandon Costello, singer-songwriter in Lexington, Kentucky. My Kentucky driver's license expired nine months ago. The DMV was shut down for several months, has gone by appointment since reopening. I booked my appointment. I waited several weeks before going to get my license renewed on a day when their internet was down. I was handed a rain check written on a business card, but haven't yet been able to get back. Should I throw caution to the wind and keep driving or stop driving altogether and park my car on a street in a rich neighborhood? I appreciate the advice. Keep driving. Keep driving. You can explain this as long as you have the business card signed by whatever person signed it. From Jeff Martin, I do love my daughter. It says, the headline is, I'm so sorry, Michael. I do love my daughter more than Mr. Tony loves you. Jeff Martin, sixth Subaru owner. P.S. It does have a kayak rack on the roof. Mm. From somebody being anonymous in Kensington, Maryland. 
We have new neighbors moving in today across the street. I haven't met them yet, and I have no reason to believe they're not anything but the most wonderful people. Yet I find myself just a bit apprehensive if they have brought with them not just one, but two Subarus. Uh-oh. Any advice? Let the air out of their tires. <laughs> and from Don Gould, from Tuxedo Park, New York, by way of Lansing, Michigan. I am one of the littles who purchased from Mikatowski Woodworking after I heard you describe the oh. pen box you received as a gift. It sounded like a perfect Christmas gift idea for the woman to whom I'm related by marriage. She has a proclivity for expensive German-made pens, and we are both native Michigan- Michiganders. The box is manufactured in the UP of Michigan. That's the Upper Peninsula. No, we are not from Lake Orion or Romulus, the home of Nate Oates. On Monday, I heard you read the note from Jesse. She's the owner of the business. I am so excited I was able to do my little part in supporting our family and very small family-run business. I urge and hope more littles to purchase gifts from Jesse and our family. Attached is a picture of a lovely note I received with my pen box from Jesse. And this is Dongle. This is just, this is sort of heartwarming to me. Sort of heartwarming. I like Absolutely. it. And I have one more about this same thing. And this is from Nick Sharkey in Washington, D.C. As a native of Michigan's Upper Peninsula and a decade-long D.C. restaurant, D.C. resident, I had a D.C. restaurant. It failed. Thank you. (laughs) It's great to hear you give repeated shout-outs to a small business near where I'm from. I grew up 45 minutes away from Menominee and know how tough it is for any business, small or large, to stay afloat there even in normal times. A sports connection to Menominee is that it's not too far away from Iron Mountain, the hometown of Tom Izzo and Steve Mariucci. And if you go a few hours further north, you'll get to the hometown of George Gipp, better known as the Gipper. Oh, and a fun fact, Starbucks founder Howard Schultz went to Northern Michigan University where he backed up Mariucci as quarterback. Did you have any idea of that? (laughs) I had no idea of that. The owner of Starbucks was a college quarterback? I had no idea. As a proud Uper, which is what we in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan call ourselves, I'd like to be named the official Uper historian of the Tony Kornheiser Show. To further prove my bona fides, the two peninsulas are connected by a five-mile-long suspension bridge. So, of course, we call the people in the Lower Peninsula trolls because they live below the bridge. And for people like Wilbon, we call them FIBs. I won't tell you what the first letter stands for, but the last two are Illinois bastards, which is very funny. <laughs> it's just very funny from Nick Sharkey. It's very funny. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Okay, so we're, we're restarting. Yes, None of correct. that will be heard. Yep. None of that will be heard. Okay. <laughs>